We're so appreciative of the opportunity, Pastor, we have had to be here in this wonderful church and fellowship this week. Everybody, including you, has been so nice and so encouraging. And we just have grown to love you guys and thank God for you. And you have something these people out here need. They just don't realize it. As they drive by, they don't realize how good it is in here, do they? And that is the big challenge, to go out and share what God's doing in your hearts and lives and encourage them to come in and be a part of it themselves and to receive Christ. And so keep on keeping on with your outreach. And pray for us as we go forward in this work the Lord's called us to because we do desire to be a blessing to the Lord and to the Lord's churches. Well, turn in your Bibles this evening to the book of Psalms, chapter 34. I want to speak to you on the subject, how to have the best life. Psalm 34 will start in a moment at verse 12. In fact, verse 12 is the verse where I got the title because it says, what manner, and that's the generic use of the word man, ladies, what man or woman is he who desires life and loves many days that he may see good. In other words, who is it that wants the best life? That's what that verse is saying. Did you know birthdays are good for you? Statistics show that those who have the most birthdays live the longest. Someone has said there are seven stages of man. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, more spills, and then wills. Where are you at on that list? Somebody else said the life of people is this, school tablet, aspirin tablet, stone tablet. Life is tough. In fact, the first 100 years are the hardest. But life is what you've got. Do you want to make the most of it? Do you want the best life? Well, you'll never have the best life until you discover God's best life. I assure you of that. Everybody out here is trying everything to find that best life. And their searches are in vain. It's sad, isn't it, to watch, to watch people self-destruct in our modern society. You need to understand there are areas where you'll not find the best life. You'll not find it in unbelief. Have you heard about some of these high-profile Christians, including ministers, who are now just throwing the Christian faith away? Boy, they're going down the wrong track. There was a very famous atheist in the past who said on his deathbed he was so miserable he wished he had never been born. Atheism did not meet his needs. You'll not find it in pleasure and fame. Look at all the fame and the money and the pleasure they have out in Hollywood. And yet they say there are more psychiatrists there per square mile than anywhere else. It's fleeting. It's empty. Those people go from house to house and spouse to spouse, and they never find what they're looking for. They just got to have more glory and more of this and more of that. And yet that's the way so many Americans are living today. So many are so miserable, they're trying to drown their, mi their miseries in, in alcohol or drugs, and, and yet that's empty too. Listen, you, you go out here and follow this crowd outside the four walls of these church, 
you're going to follow them right into misery and heartache and death and destruction. They don't have the secret to the best life. Just watch them. You know, young people, that's one thing I learned to do early in my young life is to watch others and the choices they made and to see where those choices led. In other words, what consequences those choices brought. And I learned a lot and I avoided a lot just by watching others. And I said to myself, man, I don't want to go that way. <laughs> that sure hasn't helped them. What they're doing, the choices they're making. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, that life does not consist in the abundance of things one possesses. So where do you find it? Well, that's the question verse 12 is asking here in Psalm 34. Who wants the best life? Pay attention. The Bible tells us where to find it. And not just in these verses. These are just some of the verses. Many places in the Bible we can discover the best life. Well, so many today are afraid their lives will end. Listen, our greatest fears need to be that our lives will really never begin. And your life has really not begun until you have discovered God's best life. Do you want it? Then number one, watch what you say. Verse 13, who wants the best life? Verse 12 asks, Verse 13 says, then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile or deceit. Now what you say both conceals and reveals what you are thinking. And if you've got deceit in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. Your heart cannot be clean. Excuse me. Your heart cannot be pure if your tongue is not clean. When you speak, what comes out of your mouth? Do you say things you should not say? For example, do you use profanity? If you do, shame on you. Stop it. By the way, you know what profanity is? It is the futile effort of a feeble mind to express itself forcibly. Next time somebody cusses you out, just say you've just made a futile effort with your feeble mind to express yourself forcibly. They may cuss you out again, but at least you told them. <laughs> when you're always running others down, you're not using your tongue wisely. When you speak deceitfully, you're laying a trap for yourself. And you're showing others what kind of person you really are. I heard about a businessman. He was in a hurry in a, in a downtown area where he worked and he was go, having to go to an appointment. He passed a fellow with a tin can standing on the sidewalk in that downtown. And hurriedly he pulled some money out and threw it back in the, threw it in the man's can and hurried on, but for some reason he said he turned around and looked at the guy, and the guy had the dark glasses off and was counting the money. Well, even though he was in a hurry, he made sure he was going to go back and find out what's going on. So he hurried back over to the fellow who he thought, he, he thought was blind because he had the dark glasses and the tin can. He said, I gave you some money because I thought you were blind. He said, you're not blind. He said, Where, what, what's going on here? He said, well, I'm substituting for the blind guy. It's his day off. He said, it's his day off. Where's he at? He said, he's at the movies. Well, a lot of us know there are a lot of con artists out there trying to cheat us out of our money. Listen, that's not the best life, of course. But do we live by deceit? Do we try to trick others and to take advantage of others? Businessmen, so many of them do. 
Students do. Husbands and wives do. Employees do. That's not the best life. Nothing is open more by mistake than the mouth. Even a fish would stay out of trouble if it could keep its mouth shut. I'll tell you something that's really bad, and that's to deceive yourself. Talking about the, the deceit, the worst person you can con is yourself. And if you're not careful, you can convince yourself you're all right with God or that you don't need to get in a hurry to be saved or something like that. And you can get so skilled at speaking deceit to yourself that you'll begin to believe your own lies. You'll enter in what I call a state of spiritual schizophrenia. Schizophrenia, by the way, is a mental disease where a person can tell lies when they believe their own lies. I had a roommate in college who had that, and I didn't know it. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. But he, he was not lying to me on purpose. He believed what he was telling me, even though it was not the truth. That's the nature of the disease. And listen, I know a lot of people, as I said, who are believing their own deceit about their spiritual lives. They truly don't think there's need, any need to be in a hurry to be saved. And they're in a dangerous position and can't see it. Well, how sad that is. Listen, watch what you say. Don't keep telling yourself you can put off doing what God wants you to do. Eventually you'll get to the point where it will be very difficult for the Holy Spirit to speak to you because you have yourself convinced you are okay with God. You know, they say the longer a prisoner is in jail, the more he believes he's innocent. The more he believes he's been put there unjustly that he did not do the things that landed him in jail. They convince themselves. Remember when you speak, God is one of your hearers. He's one listening to you. And so in watching what you say, also watch what you don't say. Don't fail to call on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Don't fail to ask Jesus to come into your heart and life and save you from your sins. Don't fail to do that. Don't fail to say that to the Lord. Well, that's the first thing. We've got to watch what we say. Number two, watch what you do. Who wants the best life? Verse 12 asks. Verse 14 says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. In other words, watch what you do. Now, this verse is fairly plain and easy to understand. But you know what I noticed today? I noticed people, instead of departing from evil, they're running toward it. I mean, it's amazing how people out here today are seeing who can outdo each other in being bad and doing wrong things. Of course, many of them don't see these things as bad or wrong because they're not following the standard of the Bible. You know, people, listen to me. God's not a cosmic killjoy. The only things he tells us to leave alone are the things that we don't need, the things that would ruin and wreck our lives, and he doesn't want that for us. That's where trust comes in. You've got to trust the Lord that, the only, that he will never tell you to leave something alone unless, unless it's bad for you. And any time God tells you to leave something alone, he's always got something better to replace it with. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust that. And then the Bible says we're to do good. Again, we're to do good as the Bible defines it. And there's all kinds of good things that we can do. We're to seek peace and pursue it. Hey, the best peace to pursue is the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the only way to get the peace in your heart that you're looking for. If you pursue Jesus, he's pursuing you. That's why you're here tonight. Well, in watching what you do, again, let the Bible be your guide. 
Planet Earth came with an instruction manual, didn't it? I heard about a mother was trying to buy her son a toy for his birthday, and she was reading the boxes. You know how the toy boxes have the age range on them? And she found a particular toy that looked complicated, and yet it said it was for a child her her the age of her child, and she asked the clerk about it, and she said, ma'am, she said, this toy looks very complicated for a small child, but the clerk said, oh, ma'am, this is a child that's, that's designed to adjust, this is a toy that is designed to adjust children to live in today's world. This is a toy where any way they put it together, it's going to be wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of toy that was to try to adjust a child to live in today's world, but I tell you, any way you try to put life together, if you don't follow planet Earth's instruction manual, the Holy Bible, your efforts are going to be wrong. Or if you're trying to do it without the instruction manual, you're going to fail. Any of you men at Christmas time ever have to put together a toy for your child and, and one of those that had to be assembled and you told your wife, I don't need that instruction manual, about halfway through the job you realize you made a fatal mistake and had to tear it all apart and start over, but because you wouldn't read the manual? Well, of course you know what I'm talking about. Well, that's the way it is with life. So many are reaching a point in life because they won't read God's instruction book. They're reaching a point where they're having to try to do something to fix major problems in their lives. And things are starting to fall apart. Listen, God does not want that for us. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us to have the best life. You got to watch what you do if you're going to have the best life. And again, make sure in what you do, make sure you take time to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then to get baptized and join the church because you need a you need a support group. You need a family of faith. You need a team behind you. By the way, y'all feeding the football team. Do you think they have a game Friday night? Is that what it is? Do you think those guys are going to wake up on Friday morning and scratch their heads and say, I don't have anything else better to do tonight. I think I'll go down there to that stadium and play football. Do you think that's how that works? Of course not. They join the team. They sign on the dotted line. They get committed to it. Listen, if that's the way it works in football, team commitment, team spirit, team play, that's the way it should work in Christianity. So once we become a Christian, we should get on one of God's Christian teams, and that's what a local church is. And if you're not on, on the team here and you go here, you ought to be the first one down the aisle tonight to join the church and join the team. Amen. In fact, I was in a church one time where a football coach joined the church. He'd been attending the church for over 10 years. Everybody in there thought he was a member. They thought he had joined some Sunday when they were out. You know what he told the pastor? He said, here I am, a football coach, and I expect these guys to join my team and get committed to my team, and I've not been willing to do the same for the Lord in this church. He said, I'm getting on the team tonight, <laughs> the Lord's team. Amen. Well, number three, watch what you believe. Who wants the best life? Verse 12 asks. Verses 15 and following say, the, face, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. I'll explain these verses in just a second. I want to tell you a story I read about a British psychiatrist by the name of Giles Kraft, who conducted an experiment to find out whether or not the Monday blues were real. He got three groups of volunteers. 
to one group he gave some literature that said the Monday blues were indeed real. They were to read that literature. To a second group, he gave them some literature that said the Monday blues were not real. That was all just a bunch of hooey, nothing to it. To the third group, he gave them nothing to read. Well, when the period of time was up for the experiment, he called all three groups back in and interviewed them. And he said, based on his interviews, he said the group that had been given the literature that said the Monday blues were real, he said those in that group were far more likely to have reported Monday blues than the people in the other two groups. The group that got nothing to read and the group that got literature to read that said the Monday blues were not real. He came to the conclusion that what a person is led to believe often does color their beliefs. You see, beliefs are the grid through which we interpret life. And so many today are, are getting their beliefs from sources that are not reliable. Outside sources that just pronounce all kinds of stuff and there's no basis to back it up or whatever. And they just sort of get a little belief from this one, another belief from that one, another belief from this one. I mean, from talk shows, from, from literature, from the Internet, from social media, and they just, a little bit from church, and they just put it all together, and it's what they believe. Well, preacher, I have my own religion. You ever hear that? Well, they have their own religion, but they don't have God's salvation. <laughs> then there's a difference between your own religion and God's faith and His salvation. You see, what are these verses here telling us? It's, they're telling us the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his face is against them who are, who are not righteous. The Lord hears the righteous. How in the world does a person become righteous? How does a person become right with God? How does a person do right? You listen very carefully to what I'm, I'm saying. The whole Bible is teaching this. To become righteous right with God, and thus have the ability to do right. You've got to give God your self-righteousness and your unrighteousness, which is what sin is. You give those two things to God. He gives to you himself and his righteousness. You exchange your unrighteousness and your self-righteousness for Jesus and his righteousness. That is salvation. <laughs> and that's what repentance is, you see. Surrendering to Christ, turning from your unrighteousness, turning from your self-righteousness, and receiving Jesus and his righteousness. And when Jesus comes into your heart, he brings with him his righteousness, which then enables you to live right. Not perfectly. Nobody will ever reach that standard on this earth. But you will be living a more right kind of life than before. Because you'll want to, and you'll find the strength within you to do so. Now, that's as, as simple as I can make it. In talking about what, what you believe, make sure you believe what I've just told you if you're going to have the best life. Because you cannot make yourself righteous. You cannot live the right kind of life without the power of God in you. It is impossible to live the Christian life without Christ and his righteousness within us. You know, some people say the Christian life is hard. No, it is impossible without Christ and his righteousness. Impossible. But with him, it is possible. Because what does the Bible say? With Christ, all things are possible.
Now, do you believe this? You either do or you don't. This is Christianity, what I've just told you. And if you don't believe this, you don't believe Christianity. But if you do believe it, there's more to it than just believing it. You've got to drop it from your head to your heart. You've got to receive Christ for yourself. Just knowing it's there is not enough. Just knowing Jesus is real is not enough. You've got to take him for yourself. You've got to open your heart up and invite him to come in. That's what I did many years ago on a Saturday night. You can do it on this Wednesday night. You really can. That's the best decision I ever made in my whole life, to receive Christ. And you know, God changed my life. I mean, I, I, as I said, as I began to grow up in school, I, I began to learn that people were making choices. And now that I had Christ, he was giving me wisdom, as I've already told you, to watch others and see the consequences that came to their lives as a result of their choices, whether good or bad. And I began to sense in me a power to say no to the peer group that was pressuring everybody to do wrong. It's amazing what God can do in your life when he comes in. It's amazing the power he can give you to stand up for the truth and to stand up for what's right when you need to. That's right. Well, do you believe this? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe what it's teaching about salvation? You know, life does not consist in what you possess. It consists in what possesses you. Do you have Christ possessing you in his righteousness? Life at its best means trusting Jesus for salvation, receiving him in his righteousness to enable you to live the right kind of life before God and others. Amen. And then last, we're talking about how to have the best life. Are y'all still with me? Watch what you say, watch what you do, watch what you believe. Number four, watch what you feel. Who wants the best life? Verse 12s, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh or near unto them that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite or humble spirit. Now, have you ever done anything because you feel like it? Well, of course you have. Well, I feel like I've, I, I'll go in there and get me some, some, something to eat. People say that. Well, I feel like I, I need to get out and walk. Or I feel like this, or I feel like that. You know, you heard me talking the other night. We, we preachers hear people say, well, I'll get saved when I feel like I'm ready. You know? <laughs> or I'll join the church when I feel like it's the right time. It's amazing how people operate so much by feeling. You know, I have a feeling very often to go get me some soft-serve chocolate ice cream somewhere. You know, Wendy's Frosty or something like that. In fact, as my car passes a Wendy's, I, it fights. It wants to pull in. <laughs> and many times I give in to it. That's Frosty's calling, you know. I just love those things <laughs> Some, or something similar. We all know what it is to act on feelings. Well, again, when you, when you want the best life, <laughs> you want to feel something, feel what this verse says, a broken heart and a humble spirit. You know, like I say, somebody said, well, I, I just don't have the right feeling yet. Or, or I don't feel like it's the right time. That's, that's not what you should be looking for. You want to feel something? Again, feel a broken heart and a humble spirit. In other words, realize what an awesome thing it is to be invited by God himself to come into his family and to know him personally. Boy, that'll humble you. 
if you ever let that hit you like a ton of bricks, that Almighty God wants to come into your heart and establish a personal relationship with you. And that he's willing to forgive you of all your sin and give you the power to, to live right. That's what you need to feel. But yet so many today, they don't feel that brokenness before God, that sense of humility before God. In fact, you know how a lot of people try to get saved? All right, God, I guess I'll get saved tonight. Everybody tells me I'm supposed to do it. So go ahead and save me and hurry up and get it over with. i got to get out of here. I've got places to go and things to do. Now, I know they don't say that, but that's the way a lot of people feel. They act like they're doing God a favor when they get saved or when they get baptized or join the church. Listen, God's doing us a favor. It's an honor to get to come to an altar and get something from God. Amen. Amen. When you're broken in heart over your sin, you'll want to repent of it, as I've been talking about in Teresa and Scotty. You'll want to repent of it. And again, young people are trying to make repentance plain. When I, was, when I turned 16 and started driving the car, I made a U-turn on a city street in Memphis, just, just right there on the street. And a policeman pulled me over and he invited me to make a contribution to the coffers of the Memphis city government. U-turns are not allowed on city streets. But they are a must if you're going to be saved. And so repentance means you're going your way. All of a sudden you realize by looking around and watching others who are going their way, that's really not the best way to go. <laughs> I mean, it's not good for you, and it's not going to be good for God, and it's not going to be good for your eternity. So repentance means you realize you're going your way, and you don't want to go that way anymore. So you turn around and you say, God, I'm going to go your way. And then you invite Jesus to come into your life and fill you with himself and his righteousness. And then with his power and himself within you, you start going his way. That is repentance. Repentance doesn't save you, but it prepares your heart for Christ to come in. Because like I say, once you turn around and you're facing God, that, that's when you can see him in all of his beauty and glory. And then you ask him to come in. You see my point? Have you ever done that? That's what I did. You know what got my attention as a boy to make me know I was a sinner and need to be saved? I remember going to a store and stealing something. I didn't even, I couldn't even drive the car to the store. I, I was taken by a lady who was, who was a friend of my mother. She had to go get something, and my, my mother had to go somewhere, so she wanted me to go to the store with the lady. And I remember s stealing something. And God used that to show me I was a sinner. I'd broken one of the Ten Commandments, and I needed to be saved from my sin. You ever been broken in your heart over your sin? Have you ever repented? Boy, that repent word. Boy, you don't hear that word much anymore, do you? But it's in the Bible. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll perish. You'll die in your sins and go to hell. It's important that we repent first. That R word, repent. Heard about a little boy who had trouble saying words that began with the letter R. We needed to move to Memphis. <laughs> Some of you will get that about midnight. It's not bedtime. You'll wake up, oh, I know what he meant now. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I repent, Lord. <laughs> oh, mercy. I get, I get myself in trouble. You ever do that when you're preaching? <laughs> anyway, this little boy had trouble saying words that started with the letter R. And his school teacher was worried about him. So she gave him a, a sentence with a bunch of R words to work on. Here's the sentence. Robert gave Richard a rap in the ribs for roasting the rabbit to rare. 
Robert gave Richard a rap in the rib for roasting the rabbit correct. That little boy was to say that sentence over and over and, and memorize it, and he was going to have to get up in front of the class and say it. I mean a bunch of R words. Well, the day came for him to get up in class and say that sentence. Instead of getting up and saying, Robert gave Richard a rap in the rib for roasting the rabbit's lair, he got up and said, Bob gave Dick a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. <laughs> he said the same thing, but avoided all those R words. I'm telling you, people today will say anything to try to be saved or be right with God. They'll say anything except that R word, repent. They don't want to turn from their way. They want to keep going their way and say, oh God, by the way, I'm headed this direction in life. Join me if you can. <laughs> no, that is not salvation. Salvation is where you turn and go God's way and receive Christ. Again, I ask you, have you ever done that? You see, only those who see themselves, though, as sinners are going to be willing to repent. And more and more people don't see themselves as sinners today. They really don't. Most of what the Bible calls sin, they call good. <laughs> and they call wonderful. And most of what the Bible calls wonderful, they call that bad. I mean, young people, you've got to determine. You're going to go that crowd's way out there, you're going to go God's way. I mean, they're going the opposite of way that God says we're to go. And again, they're going to pay for it sooner or later in this life and especially the next. Their way does not work. It just doesn't. It never will. Have I made sense tonight? I don't know how to make it any plainer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We've talked tonight about how to have the best life, God's best life. And we've said you must watch what you do, say, believe, and feel. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I'll repent and I'll turn my life over to you? Have you done that? Do you believe you need to do that? Do you feel the need to do that? I hope you do. I don't think you'd be here tonight if you didn't feel some need like that. You're not a hard-hearted person. If you were, you wouldn't be here. If you're a Christian, do you need believer's baptism? Do you need to join the church and get on the team? Do you need to renew your devotion to the Lord? Do you believe you need to do that? Then say, Lord, I will do it tonight at the invitation time, and then do it and lead the way for those that need to be saved. Again, the altar is open for prayer, and I hope tonight we can have some of you in the altar who know the Lord and love the Lord and believe in prayer. we got some people in this room that need to be saved, and this is the last night. Last, Friday, last Wednesday night in Mississippi, a grown man came and got saved because there were people in the altar praying for him. Listen, will you come tonight and pray when we stand in a moment if you know the Lord and no question about your salvation? But some of you tonight, you need to be saved tonight. I know some of you are already saved. You, like I say, you need to renew your devotion to the Lord. Some of you need to join this church. Some of you need to be baptized. You need to ask the pastor for an appointment. But some of you need to be saved tonight. I want to do for you what someone did for me the night I was saved. I want to lead you in a word of prayer. I didn't have any idea what to pray to God the night I was saved. I just knew I wanted Christ. Would you let me help you voice this prayer to the Lord? Now, don't pray this prayer to me. I am not the Savior. I am not the Savior. Pray this prayer to Jesus. So say it in your heart. I'm going to lead you. If you'd like to get it settled tonight, say these words to the Lord. Young people, say it to the Lord. Now, don't, if you're not saved or you're not sure, you say, well, I think I am. That's not good enough. You need to know you are. And if you don't know you're saved, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, 
Let's whisper it to the Lord. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner like Phil, and I need a Savior. I ask you to save me from my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross to do that for me. I do repent. I want to turn away from my sins. I want to turn away from going my way. I want to go your way. Come into my life right now. I trust you to save me. Be my boss from now on. I give you my life. Now give me the courage to go tell the pastor what I have just prayed. If you prayed that prayer, look at me. If you prayed that prayer, look at me. If you prayed that prayer and mean it, if you did, God meant it. And that's the greatest prayer you have ever prayed in your whole life. The Bible says when we pray a prayer like that, we're to tell somebody right away. I want you to come and tell the pastor. Pastor, I prayed that prayer with Brother Phil. I want you to come tell him. If you'd like for someone to go to the altar with you to tell the pastor, take the one next to you by the hand and say, I did pray that prayer for Brother Phil, and I'm in it. I'm not ashamed of it. Go with me to tell the pastor. They'll go with you. They'll go with you. Maybe tonight you're here with a friend. You'd like to offer to go with that friend. If you'd feel the let the need to and, the, and feel empty, do that. But that's all, just offer. We're not trying to make anybody do anything. But Christian, you lead the way. Making your decision or to come pray. You lead the way. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're going to have a word of prayer. Well, thanks for the one who's already come to pray for others in this room. And I pray others will join him in prayer down here at the altar. And Lord, I pray you'll just so move as a result of our prayers on the hearts of people present, or even people not present. Lord, that we can see people come to you. And Lord, I know that you don't force anybody to do anything, but you sure can. You sure can get our attention. And I pray that you'll get the attention of everyone in this room tonight and show us what decision we need to make. And help us to make it. Help Christians to make it and lead the way whatever their decision is. And Lord, for those who prayed that prayer with me a moment ago, give them the courage now to come and tell the pastor. Lord, for those who, who are still not sure, help them to come so we can talk with them and answer their questions. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I